God, there is nothing more important that you want to do right now than to connect with these people that you so dearly love. And so I pray we'd be able to turn off the distractions for just a few moments and hear clearly, Lord, what you would want us to hear today. And so, Lord, let these people that you dearly love know you deeper today, Jesus. And so connect with us, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, it just seems that time is just chaotic at this season of our life. It almost is like time is just relative at this point. It, like days don't seem the way they used to, and weeks go by months, and, and like time has no meaning almost anymore. And I was thinking about this because uh, about six years ago today, um, the national headlines and all that people were talking about in the national media uh, was this, the Flint water crisis. And frankly, unless you grew up in Michigan, um, as I did, that probably wasn't a big deal to most people. And even in Flint, it wasn't a big deal to most people until this started happening, and then it became a big deal. When you're turning on tap water and that's what you're receiving, uh, all of a sudden now it's an issue. And that just blew up around the country. And that just seems like that was eons ago. I could hardly remember that headline as I was looking back over what transpired six years ago. And it wasn't an issue until it became an issue. And for a lot of us, maybe a lot more personally, and particularly I can speak this as a white person, uh, boy, racism didn't seem to be much of a problem until May the 25th of this year when George Floyd was killed. And all of a sudden, racism was front and center, and we had to come to grips with things that we found maybe in our own heart. They're like, wow, I don't even like some of these things that I'm discovering about myself, and I have some prejudice. And we all do, by the way. We're all prejudiced. We hopefully are all moving in the same direction. And so we look at the world and the craziness of what's going on, and we're thinking, wow, look at the brokenness in the world that we live in today. Unless we think we've got enough today between COVID and between racism and all the other stuff that is going on around the world. Some people got together uh, from Rice University, some um, intellectual people from around the world, and they identified over the next 50 years, here are the top 10 problems that we're going to face. Energy, water, food, environment, poverty, terrorism, war, disease, education, democracy, population. As if we didn't have enough to worry about already. Now we've got future things that we need to be thinking about and identifying already. And I know this is probably the most depressing way to begin a message for you today. But this is the world in which we find ourselves. A world that is broken. A world that is sinful. A world where there is a lot of darkness and pain and suffering in the world. And 2,000 years ago, Jesus had something to say about this, and it is still as true today as it was when Jesus was walking the face of the earth. Here's what Jesus said. He said, in this world, you will have trouble. And we've got trouble. We've got trouble coming. We've got trouble we're living in now. We've got past trouble. We've got all kinds of trouble. But take heart, for I have overcome the world. 
Now, that's more than just a nice saying, and that's what we want to talk about here today. We want to unpack uh, what Joe read for us just a moment ago from the Gospel of John. And I want to encourage you, if you've got your outline, to grab a hold of that and take a look at that, because there might be something you want to circle in there that jumps out at you, that God might want to be connecting with you on a deeper level. Or if you've got you know, the YouVersion Bible app, that's a great way to take notes um, as you're looking at that. It also has the outline on there as well, so you can look for live events, and you can find St. John there and go along with that, or if you're like me, sometimes I just like the old-fashioned Bible kind of thing, and you can open it up and write in your Bible if you wish. And so just take a look at now verse 32. Let's go back to that for a moment in chapter 16. A time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. Now, context is always really important whenever you're in any conversation or wherever you're reading something, and particularly when you're reading a story out of the Word of God, it's important to understand the context of what's going on. So let me quickly paint for you what was happening. This was Thursday, the day that Jesus was betrayed, the day before he would go to the cross and lay down his life and die. So this is Thursday evening where he's gathering. And what does he say to his disciples? A time is coming and in fact has come when you will all be scattered. And just a few hours from this moment, that's exactly what would happen. Judas, one of his disciples, would betray him and would lead a group of religious leaders and soldiers to come and arrest Jesus. And when they arrest Jesus, instead of standing with him in unity, uh, they all take off and they're all scattered and they're all running for themselves. This is exactly what would happen in just a few hours. And Jesus said, you'll leave me all alone. And yet Jesus had such a deep connection with his father, yet I am not alone. (laughs) For my father is with me. And I was reading this text over and over again. The thought occurred to me as I was reading this is this beautiful truth about God. God is not talking about things that they've done in their past. God is talking about what's going to happen in just a few hours, what's going to happen in the future. And here's what I want you to know about how God feels about you. God knows our future failings, and he loves us anyway. And that's a beautiful definition of love, isn't it? Isn't that what all that we really want I mean, it's one thing to love somebody and forgive something that happened in the past. It's a complete other thing to be able to say, no matter what you do, I'm still going to love you. And some of us would think, well, that's crazy. But that's how God loves us. He knows what we do in the future. He knows what you're going to do this afternoon and this evening and tomorrow He knows your deepest, darkest days that might be ahead where you just abandon God and you think nobody knows. God knows. And he loves you anyway. I was very fortunate to grow up in a home uh, where Jesus was taught and uh, mom and dad who loved Jesus and we went to church and had a wonderful congregation we were a part of. And when I was a young boy, uh, often I threatened to run away from home. I don't know, anybody else like run away from home kind of people threatened to do that? And as a little boy, I, I would sometimes get so far as to pack a bag because I, I learned, I guess as you get a little bit older, that you, know, you might want to take some stuff with you for the journey. And so I'd go up and pack a little duffel bag full of stuff and, and uh, you know, go down the stairs and get to the front door 
sometimes, and, and my mom would always meet me at that front door, and she would have some variation of this line every single time. She goes, John, just remember, wherever you go and wherever you are, you'll always be our son, and we will always love you. And that's usually all it took, and you start crying, and you run back home. I didn't want to run away from home anyway. And then you go, go through that thing. But I think on a deeper level, my mom was teaching me something about God, that this is the way that God loves us, that you are free to walk away from God anytime you want. But God says, that doesn't change my feelings toward you. You might not want to be with me anymore, but I want to be with you. This is the love that God has for you. He knows your future failings, and he still chooses to love you. That is amazing to me, that Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, could look at his disciples, who he knows are going to scatter, and says, I, I'm still with you, and I still love you. Look at verse 33. I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. I didn't tell you these things so that you can feel guilty when it happens. So that as soon as you begin to scatter, maybe a hundred steps away, or when you're finally to safety, you're like, oh, he told us we were going to do this. Oh, darn it. I didn't tell you this to shame you. I told you this so that you may have peace. For in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And here's where I want to give you permission if you're one of those you can't write in the Bible kind of people. I used to be that kind of person as well. And then my grandmother turned me on to like highlighting some things in the Bible. When God speaks to you, just write in the margins or do whatever you want. And I was going to take a picture of my Bible, but there's way too many notes in there. It's way too confusing. But I just wanted to show you what I've done with this verse and encourage you either on your page or do something with this. I just circled the word in me and connected it with peace. Because this is what Jesus says, in me, you'll have peace. Well, how about the world? What do you get if you're in the world? What do you have? You have trouble. We have trouble in this world. And being a follower of Jesus doesn't mean you put your head in the sand and pretend like everything is okay. Man, in this world, we should be attuned with what is going on in the world. We should care that there are people who don't have clean water around the world. And all kind of disease breaks out because of it. We should be concerned about that. We should be doing something about that. We should be doing something with racism in our society. We should be speaking into that because that is not something that is pleasing in God's sight. That's trouble in the world. Or pick anything from the top ten list that's coming up. Man, whatever it is that God has stirred in your heart, we should be about that because in this world we have trouble. But in the midst of that, as we step into the chaos of the trouble of the world... In me, Jesus says, you will have peace. Well, how can you have peace in the midst of chaos? How can you have peace in the midst of trouble? How can you have peace when you look at the chaos of the world around you? Well, the only way you can have that kind of peace, it, it comes from a deep connection with, with Jesus. That's the only way you get that peace. It's in him, in Jesus, you have peace. And often as I sit down and I talk to people about having a relationship with Jesus, I love new believers who are just starting to discover who God is, and, and it's like their, their eyes are open for the first time, and like, oh, wow, this is amazing. And, and they talk about, what do I need to do? And I usually share some variation of these four things. These aren't projected. They're not on your outline. This is bonus material for you to think about. And the first thing I usually share with them is the first thing you want to have if you want to follow Jesus is a desire to follow him. 
Because I guarantee you, there'll be days that you're not going to feel like following him. I want to do my own thing. I don't want anybody telling me what to do. I, I think I know better than God. And you're going to have those days. And so pray. And this is, I find myself praying this on a regular basis. God, give me a hunger and a thirst for you. Give me a desire to spend more time with you. Give me a desire to know you more. Because there are days you just don't feel like following Jesus. And when those days come, man, start with that desire. And if you have any desire at all, that's just evidence that the Spirit of God is living inside of you because nobody even has a desire to know God unless the Spirit of God is living inside of you already. So you're already on the right track. And the next thing I always tell people is it takes time. You know, could God just show up and reveal himself completely to you? Yes, he could do that. But more often, it takes time. It's long-term obedience in the same direction. And so some of the people that I admire the most are some of the people that have walked with God the longest because they've been faithful from generation to generation and, and they just exude Jesus in everything they do that takes time, which is why sometimes when I counsel people and they're just, their life is crazy and chaotic and it's a mess and they're like, I don't even know what to do. I don't know how to begin to fix this mess. And I'll ask them sometimes, how long you know, have you been on this trajectory? And it's like, oh, I don't know, six, seven years I've been going down this path. And I said, well, give God at least as much time to fix your life as you took messing it up. It's long-term obedience. It takes time. And like any relationship, over time, the more you invest in it, the, the more you discover that peace. And, and so I have discovered at 51 years of age a lot more peace than I had when I was 30 which was a lot more peace than I had when I was 15. But I've spent some time walking with Jesus, and so it takes some time. It also takes some friendships around you. We're not meant to just walk with God alone. We all need some relationships in which they can model for you a relationship with God, and I'm so thankful. I've got some really, really good friends that I've known a long, long time who know me really, really well and can challenge me and speak into me and pray for me and encourage me. And I love having these people because I sometimes need a different perspective. And so I'll call these friends of mine and gather together. And this is why we talk about the importance of small groups here so often because nobody can walk with God for a long period of time by themselves, isolated and alone. And so we want to connect. And then the third one, or fourth one rather, is prayer. I, I just have not known anybody who has a deep relationship with God that doesn't have a growing prayer life. And I'm so thankful for the prayer ministry we have here. We love to pray. In particular, we invite guys to come with us on Sunday morning. We say, just give us one Sunday morning a month and come at 7 o'clock. We'll gather together. We talk about what's going on in our lives so we can pray for each other. We walk around the building and we pray for the building. And then whoever is preaching, we, um, we pray for them. And some, some guys don't pray out loud because they're not comfortable yet. Some guys didn't pray out loud. Now they do. And it's just amazing to see the growth in their relationship with God. And so I invite you, man, if you're one of these guys, like, I don't really know how to pray. I've never been taught to pray. Uh, just pick any Sunday morning you want and join us at 7 o'clock right out here in the lobby. We would love to help you connect and grow in your relationship with God that way. I think maybe one of the things that God has been doing over these last several months is getting rid of a lot of distractions. So you're like, man, I, I just spend so much time of my life commuting between home and work. Man, I got hours on the road all the time. I'm traveling and I just never really have any time. Oh, boom, <laughs> now you've got that time. Man, I've got, you know, so we love going out to movies and love going out to shows. Boom, no more movies and shows. Wow, I, I love sports. Um, well, great, no sports. And the one thing I thank God for over this little period of time is that it just seems like God has removed all these other distractions from us to get our attention. 
Now, I say this as a college football fan. I love college football, and I'm still in mourning that the Big Ten is not playing football um, this fall, and that's hard for me to swallow and hard for me to understand. Uh, But as I look at that, part of me is like, wow, this maybe is a unique opportunity to do something different with some Saturday mornings where I would be spending watching football. Maybe I could go volunteer. Maybe I could do something different. Maybe just have extra time with the family. Maybe go hang out with some, some friends. Maybe do something different uh, with my life. Maybe God is, is causing us to do something in the midst of this to get rid of all the distractions of our life. Maybe, God, you're doing something more. Take a look at John now, chapter 17. So Jesus speaks this to his disciples and then steps away for a moment. He looked toward heaven as if to say, this is where my help comes from, and I want all of you to know that I, the only way I can get through what I'm going to be facing is through a deep connection with my Father. And he looks up to heaven, and he prays this, and we're only going to read a few verses of this. I encourage you. John 17 is a beautiful prayer that Jesus prays. But look at this. Father, the hour has come. And indeed it has. The betrayer would come in just a few moments. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those that you have given him. Boy, I like this. Jesus, as he's getting ready to be betrayed and handed over and whipped and then nailed to a cross, he was thinking of all those he came to save. He was thinking of you. You were on God's mind in that moment as Jesus was praying. And if you're one of those counted fortunate enough to have a relationship with Jesus, you are on God's mind as he's praying this prayer. And you are on God's mind right now. This is the heartbeat of God. Jesus emulated this so beautifully in this moment where instead of thinking about himself and I don't want to go through this and I can't do this, Jesus is looking at you and saying, this is why all those you have given to me. Verse 3, now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Now, we could do a whole sermon series um, on one word out of that text, to know God. I just want to give you maybe a very quick definition, because this no is not just a cognitive, oh, I know a few facts about God, oh, yeah, I know his name is Jesus, I, I know it's triune, Father, Son. It's more than just knowing a few facts about God. When it says to know you, God, here's what no really means, is to have an intimate, personal experience with God. Just this depthness of this relationship with him that just permeates everything. It's almost like nothing else matters in this moment where heaven parts and you just sitting in the presence of God and you have one of those moments that just seemed like the heavens opened and here he showed up. And I'm so thankful for those moments where God has just done that. And as I look back over time, the majority of times where that happens, it's where I'm sitting down with somebody one-on-one Very often it's a new believer and they're struggling with whatever shame and guilt and and you get to explain Jesus to them and maybe they just never have heard it before and you see their eyes open and they begin to just tear up and you're like, really, God loves me? God could do something with me? Yes, he could. And and you see like chains fall off their body and and it's in those moments I've never felt a deeper personal connection with God when I get a front row seat to watching God transform lives. I love preaching. 
but I would much rather sit one-on-one and watch God just open up their eyes to see God in a new way. Or maybe it's a believer who's been trapped and broken and heading down the wrong path, and, and you have an opportunity to sit down face-to-face, and, and you get a chance to speak some truth into their life, and, and God uses that truth to permeate their life and put them on a different trajectory, and their life is forever transformed. I love that. That's where I feel like I know God the best is when I'm in those kind of moments. One of the things I write down every single day, uh, work day of the week in my journal, I, I write down the same sentence every single time because it's really what I want to be about. I, I, I write, I want to be a part of more lives being transformed by Jesus because that's where I feel the deepest connection with him. God, would you use me? I don't have to be the integral role in that. I just, I just want to be a part. Maybe it's just a cheerleader. I'll be happy to be a cheerleader for somebody deepening the relationship with you. I don't care what role I play. I just want to be a part of that, of seeing your kingdom come to more and more people, Jesus, because that's where I feel the deepest connection. I don't know where your deepest connection is. But that's why we're doing this series, Connected 3D, is we want you to connect with God on a deeper level, and we want you to connect with others on a deeper level. And to help you do that, if we have you on our mailing list, you should have received a uh, big red envelope like this in the mail. Did some of you get this? I hope we didn't just raise stamps. Did some of you? Okay. Um, I really hope you got this. And some of you are like, oh, I think I might have, but I think I threw it in the recycle bin. When you get home, go to your recycle bin, grab, out, grab it out of the recycle bin, and open it up, because there is some great information in here to help you connect with God and to help with others. I just want to highlight a couple of things um, on here. Number one is this uh, little brochure, the Connected 3D, and it says, using technology in a God-honoring way, that really is our theme. Because technology isn't the evil one here. Technology is amoral. It's not intrinsically good or bad. It's what you do with it that makes it so. And so one of the things that you'll see in here is we want to disconnect to connect with God and with others. And so you'll, you'll see that in here. And then even cooler than that, inside this packet are these nice little uh, 3D glasses that I would encourage you to take out and put on. And there's some neat 3D pictures in here. And they're just sort of fun to be a part of. And uh, we gave these to the kids, I know, this morning in their small group uh, for children's uh, this morning. But I saw some of the adults wearing these as well. So it's cool for adults, uh, too, to grab a hold of these. And if you didn't get one of these, you can get them on our website. You can request. We'll mail you another one. If you're not on our mailing list, we'd love to give you one. Or at our Connected Home Center, uh, right outside to the left here, if you're with us, um, you can pick one of these up because we want every single family to have one of these because there's a lot of good information in here. On the back of the envelope, there's a little round sticker, and it has a little QR code. And if you scan that QR code, or you can get to it from our website as well, but if you scan that little QR code, that'll take you to a video that Roxanne Boyer and uh, Corey Smith, our children's minister and family life minister, put together to un pack this packet for you to show you everything that is in here. So I encourage you to connect with that because what we want more than anything else is we want you to connect with Jesus. And we want you to connect with others. And we know that if you're connecting with Jesus and you're connecting with others, that we are going to change the world.